Hey guys, before we get going with Ryan today and talking about self-storage and why you and I both need to have this asset in our portfolio, I want to invite you to become part of the W2 Capitalist community on YouTube. Why I love having you as a subscriber here on the podcast, I want to interact with you. I want to know your thoughts. I want to see your comments and I just don't get that interaction with you in the podcast that I do can on YouTube. So all the podcasts as of here recently are being published on YouTube. I want to invite you to be part of that community and there's always some sort of content that comes that is published on YouTube because it makes more sense for the video than it does on the audio. For example, today, this very same recording, I do my best and my best impersonation of Gerard Butler on the, the movie 300. So check it out. W2 Capitalist. You are addressing the gap between your successful, fulfilling W2 job and building wealth for your family through real estate investing. You are ready to earn, invest, repeat. Welcome to the W2 Capitalist Podcast. Now, let's get to work. Here's your host, Jay Helms. Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Jay Helms. I'm the founder of this podcast and movement known as the W2 Capitalist. Today, as always, surrounded by and, and have a guest who is a very special guest, Mr. Ryan Gibson. Ryan is the CEO and co-founder of Spartan Investment Group. He has grown his business to over 5,000 units and 30 plus employees. We're going to talk about how long it took him to get there in just a moment. But Ryan has raised over $30 million from investors for real estate projects ranging from ground up development to cash flowing self storage facilities. Ryan's company focuses on providing investment opportunities for individuals, individual investors in the commercial real estate space, primarily in self storage. Ryan is also an airline pilot by his W 2 ways, right? And graduated from Mercyhurst University with a bachelor's degree in business with concentrations in marketing, management, advertising, and his free time. He enjoys spending time outdoors, which I am completely jealous of the stuff he's putting on his Facebook feed with his family in the Pacific Northwest. And he also serves on the board of trustees at his alma mater. Ryan, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Jay. Excited. I, I am. Yeah. I am. Uh, I typically invite people on here that I'm you. I want to know something about how you got successful. <laughs> right. And I don't know. I know very little about self storage. Other than I own a unit, every time we go in to buy, uh, to rent, not to buy, but rent a unit, our plan is we're going to have it for their, that stuff there for three to six months. And then three years down the road, we're like, hey, do we need to get rid of this stuff yet or, or whatnot? And then another three years goes by and we just move it to the next self-storage facility if we happen to move, move areas. But in my mastermind group, there is a young lady there, uh, Masha, who is an aspiring self-storage real estate investor and she's she's new to the game but she was wanted to kind of get out of her comfort zone it's like okay present to us make a presentation one thursday night she presented to the entire mastermind group and, and she did an amazing job by the way and when at the end of her presentation I was like all right 
do you have a deal lined up yet? Cause this sounds way too good to be true. I want to invest in some self storage. So then when you and I are going to talk, I was like, all right, this has got it. This is going to make some good stuff. So let's just start at the very beginning, right? You've been at, you're an airplane airline pilot. You still are, but you've been building for how long now to build up to 5,000 doors or 5,000 units. So technically we started in like 2013. Um, you know, uh, it was like 99% W2 and like 1% uh, working on the business. We were actually flipping houses and um, uh, okay. Yeah. And you know, at the time, you know, airline pilot, uh, pretty good gig. And then my business partner, Scott was, uh, had a, had a nice job at the government. Anything we did was just high standard, high profit, didn't have to do anything. We sort of, we didn't sort of have that, uh, you know, give up everything we're doing and jump, you know, full feet in. And, you know, uh, it was kind of like, Hey, let's be well capitalized. Let's think about the deals we're doing. Let's write a strategic plan. Let's make sure that, you know, we don't just dive into this thing and and it falls apart. And then we, you know, give up our good W2 job. So I know that that's counter to a lot of philosophies, you know, like cut the W2, get it out of your life. It's dragging you down or whatever, but not my philosophy, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Yeah. I I just, I like to be conservative and make sure that I put food on the table and things like that. You and I too, I I am talking to uh, Kim Daly, who's uh, uh, on the show recently about becoming a passive franchise owner. And one of the things she makes us go through is your risk tolerance, right? And one of the exercises and she goes, why are you so conservative? And I was like, you mean, have I ever filed for bankruptcy or had any kind of credit issues? I said, she goes, yeah. I said, no, I, I just, I've always been this right. way. I don't, I don't know why, <laughs> but uh, I, I imagine it's part of my upbringing, but I agree with you. You know, if you have a W2, you know, what, what I preach here as a W2 capitalist is you build up that passive income so you can work or not. Right. And guys like you and me, we're getting to that point where we don't have to work because of what real estate investing has done too. Now we've gone different paths, right? I've stayed with uh, residential when you're in the self-storage area and, I, and there's such different asset classes. I want to make sure that that's why I'm so intrigued to talk to you today is what, you know, how you got to where, and I think you're probably a little bit uh, further along that line than I am and want to make sure if there's something I'm missing out, like how do I know, you know, how do I know when a good storage facility opportunity comes up and what I should be doing and what I should be looking at, right? As a, as a newbie, as a beginner in the self storage uh, space, right? Yeah. It makes, makes total sense. And that's, that, that was our journey was like, you know, Hey, we've got our W2, but we want to make this full time. Yeah. And yeah. Um, you know, really what it took was it, you know, you work your day job and then you work your second job, you know, yeah. which is building a business. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think having an employee mindset and having that edge has been helpful because a lot of times when we're talking about our business, we're talking about, Hey, well at this company, we did this or this company, we did yeah. that. And that worked, that didn't work. We really didn't like the environment, you know, at our last company because of the, you know, because of these policies, let's not build a company with those policies. Let's yeah. do what we want, you know, what we want to do. Right. Yeah. So I think that really, um, yeah, it helped. And then having the steady, the steady income is important too. So I do think, you know, there's probably people that are listening that are like, well, you can make so much more doing the real estate than you can the W2. At what point are you costing yourself money by having the W2 still? And that's true. At some, at some point you yeah. do got to make constantly make decisions 
um, in that regard. But, um, you know, I think really for us, you know, we looked at um, the best recession resistant asset class in the last two downturns. So we studied the market and storage was the best performing uh, storage and medical office. Actually, in the last two recessions were the best. And then we thought, okay, does it meet our criteria, which is easy to own, easy to evict and easy to operate. So those were the things that we wanted in our organization so that, cause we do all the property management, asset management, construction management, capital raising acquisitions. So we wanted to be able to do fully integrated. So what we um, wanted is a store is a asset class that allowed us to do all of those things. Um, and that was storage. Storage was, was something that we landed on. Yeah. But to answer your question though, a good one, a good one has a lot of demand. Um, mm. And, and the demand isn't, you know, what you think or what, <laughs> you know, the broker is trying to tell you, but it's, it's what the uh, market study tells you. And yeah. that's really what, what drives, you know, a good property. You know, and then what, and then, and then is the property price right? And, and then what's the opportunity in the business plan to execute it? So, how, when you say market study, what does that actually mean? Like, um, does yeah, that mean so like you hire go, a third party vendor to go out and yep. look at some different numbers and stuff? And then what kind of, what kind of information do they bring back to you? And I'm assuming you have a checklist to say, okay, well, this passes, this fails. And at some point in time, you got you got to just like we we're talking about our W two, you got you got to either pull the trigger or not, right? So, yep. what are, what are some of the things that that you're gonna that anybody's gonna see in a in a really good market study? They're gonna see saturation rates. Um, they're gonna see demand. They're gonna see population. They're gonna see unmet demand um, of square footage. So, you know, the the easiest example I can give is just imagine within ten minutes of a property, there's. 200,000 square feet of unmet demand. Mm. You know, that would be a, a phenomenal demand metric if you're buying an existing property that maybe has under market rents. You know, the rents are supposed to be $100 a month and they're currently at 70 and everybody's full. And then there's a unmet demand of 200,000 square feet with no other people building in the market and no other facilities coming online. That could be a great uh, study. And that's really the only thing that matters. I mean, it doesn't matter how many millennials or baby boomers or anybody, it, it matters what the raw numbers are for that particular property. And it doesn't matter how the macro market is really doing. I mean, that mm. definitely factors in, but it's, it's storage is a 10 minute drive time because you're yeah. not going to your storage property eight hours across town or, you know, by, you know, an hour across town, you're going to go to the one by your house. So it, it really depends on what's going on in the local market. Gotcha. Gotcha. And you, you said 10 minute drive time. I also heard like the five miles of your house or five mile radius. And as I'm sitting here, I'm thinking there are four or five facilities and we don't live in a big metropolitan area. Now we do live on the coast and, you know, a lot of people rent their houses out for tourists and whatnot. So they probably store a lot of their personal belongings in, in a self storage to only to use when, when they come down or whatnot. But there are, uh, I think, like four or five self-storage facilities right here within, within of course, we have one uh, unit in, in probably the smallest, um, smallest complex, I call them complexes. I don't know if that's a proper yeah, term. But, facility. Yeah. Uh, is, do you think there's ever a chance that the self-storage market is going to get saturated? 100%. And in oh. most markets, that's the first thing we're looking for. Okay. So we try to kill a deal as fast as we can. And saturation <laughs> is the biggest thing that will 
kill a deal. I got so you. Okay. In Denver, there's some uh, areas of Denver where there's a million square feet of oversaturation. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. And Austin, you know, Austin's a great market for a lot of different things. For storage, it's one of the highest foreclosure rates. It's, it's way, it's, it's overbuilt. In general, now doesn't mean that there couldn't be a a, a street, and a, you know, a main yeah. and main in, yeah, yeah. in Austin that makes sense. But generally, that's you know a market that's oversaturated. Um, when you when you guys are looking to acquire, at least your current strategy, you know, amongst this whole COVID era, whatnot. What are you looking? Are you looking to build from? I know you've got some projects going on, but primarily, are you looking to build new facilities, or are you looking to overtake existing facilities, or is it just one of those things where it depends on the numbers? Right. And, uh, I mean, what's your, what's your strategy right now? Yeah, all, all the above. So we typically our bread and butter is we buy a property, um, that has existing cash flow. So the okay. investors get cash flow day one, and then we have uh, land to expand and a market study that says that if we expand, we can fill up those additional units. And gotcha. then, so we'll, we'll, we'll buy the property and we'll do some operational improvements to it to raise rents and, you know, make the facility perform better. But then really the expansion is kind of where a lot of value is created. Uh, we have built from the ground up. Uh, we like to only have a few of those in house. Um, right now we have quite a lot of construction. We have close to $30 million of construction in progress. Wow. Um, Cause we're building a manufactured housing community. We're building a uh, two, we're doing two ads to self storage facilities. And then we're building a ground up facility from scratch. Uh, so we do have a lot of construction at the moment. Um, and so, you know, we look at adding more ground up development when we sort of feel comfortable with where our current construction projects are at. Um, so we're actually just about comfortable adding another one, but the cash flowing properties, you know, we're adding those on a more regular basis um, because, you know, there's not as much risk. I mean, there's yeah. always risk, but those are, those are, you know, you, when you have in place, an in-place business with in-place cash flow, it's way, you know, you take, you really take a lot of the risk out of the situation. Yeah. Um, the reward goes down, but also the risk. Goes down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a hand in hand and fist, right. Or whatever that saying is. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned in Denver, there's over a million, uh, square feet of, uh, it's oversaturated by a million square feet. In some places. Yes. In some places. Yeah. How, how, how does that happen? It's just because there's other developers out there that don't look at the same market studies or have a different risk tolerance or think things are going to go expand a lot quicker or how, how does that happen? And then how long is it going to take for those to fill up for you guys to start looking in Denver? Does that make sense? Po population is the number one driver. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so, I mean, if there's, if you have increasing population, eventually it'll catch back up. Mm. But and Colorado's uh, Denver specifically, I think, has had a lot of that here recently. They've right? had a lot of growth, and but yeah. you know, how does this happen? Um, I mean, I, I don't know. That's a great question. I guess people just don't pay attention to the overbuilding. They don't look at permits in the pipeline. They don't. I mean, we at Spartan, we have three full-time people that all they do is look at market. They're analysts for um, wow. business intelligence. So yeah, so we all we're doing is. Um, we have a director of business intelligence and then we have two supporting people to her. Okay. Um, and so this is the number one thing for us is, is, you know, we That's spend awesome. a lot of, yeah, we spent a lot of time looking at data, looking at making sure that we're not going to put the property in the wrong spot yeah. or buy a property that won't enable us to complete our business plan. Yeah. Um, now, now things change, you know, people could build after we come in or something like that, but 
again, we would be analyzing that as a risk in the beginning. Um, but we always look at permits in the pipeline, applications, the ease and the considerations for how easy it is to build up a property behind us. Like we have a property yeah. in Seattle, south of Seattle. It took us four years to entitle it. Um, and that's just coming out of the ground now. So while there are no other permits in the pipeline, if, even if there was, you're talking about a huge runway of time mm. before you know you go. The other thing is, is if you're building next to somebody building, you know that's a very difficult situation to be in versus if you already have your facility and it's fully operating and functioning yep. and somebody builds next to you, it's going to sting a little bit maybe in pricing and stuff as they lease up and they really want to get all the, the customers. Yeah. But you know if you're building side by side, that's a problem. Yeah. So we definitely, you definitely want to go into a market knowing that there's no one else building around you, um, you know, or within your footprint. When you say entitle it, what, what does that mean when it comes to self-storage? Yeah. So just like any piece of property, um, if you just found. Is that like know, a vacant, certificate of occupancy for uh, residential? Uh, no, not, yeah, not, not yeah. quite example. So, so for example, if you were to just define a, a forest, you know, okay. vacant land. And it was zoned, you know, a certain way and you had to get it, you had to get like a site plan approved to build a neighborhood, right? right? You would have to get the entitlements for that. Gotcha. Now, once you gotcha. got your site plan approved and you got all the entitlements and you've cleared it with all jurisdictions, then you'd go to the city and you get your building permit. And that would allow you to go vertical and actually build what you're setting out to put, to, to gotcha. put there. Wow. Then you'd get, you'd still get a certificate of occupancy. Um, once the building was built and signed off on by the jurisdictions, you know, fire and city and everything like that. Yeah. Um, then you'd get your CFO so that you could open your business just like a residential. Gotcha. Okay. No, that's, that's awesome. I, I didn't know that. So it took you guys four years. Did you, did you acquire the land and then get it entitled to be able to build on it what you wanted to, or, or did you, was that part of your offer in, in the purchase of the land? Yeah. So sometimes we do both. So sometimes okay. our contracts are contingent on um, either site plan development or building permits. Gotcha. Sometimes they're not. Um, it yeah. just depends. You know, sometimes we get a certain comfort level um, with the um, with the rezoning process or the building permit process that we can close on property. Um, but but certainly um, there's a, a a certain period of time that we have to take the property through. It's um, like geotech. Uh, where we, you bore holes in the ground and you study the yeah. soil, phase one environmental survey, yeah. uh, title review, things like that, where we have to do those things before we close. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> and in this, in this case, that, that property that I gave you an example of, we had site plan approval and um, zoning approval to build what we wanted to build uh, before we closed on the property. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, because the building permit process sometimes isn't that it it's, takes a while and there's definitely some coordination, but it's usually not, it's typically not the difficult part. It's the entitlement that it's everything that comes before that is usually yeah. the, the more difficult. And I want to apologize to everybody who's listening right now. I told Ryan when we first started recording this, I wanted to keep this a one-on-one -on -one discussion, but <laughs> I will quickly dive into questions that I want to yeah. know about. So that's one of those things. Yeah. So if you're listening as a newbie, hang with us. We're about to get off this time. <laughs> no, you're uh, so that, that's what I mean, right? You're supposed to give me a caca or something like that, you know, a sign that's agnostic. No, no, it's just um, a couple of guys catching up and learning yeah, about. True. Yeah, no, it's good. I like it. I I love that you you brought up. Y'all have three full time employees that focus nothing on market research. And uh, if if you if you're listening to this or watching this, 
And if you haven't visited spartan-investing.com, there'll be a link in the show notes. But I was telling Ryan that, yeah. is it, what is it, spartan-investors? Yeah, spartan-investors.com, yep. Yeah, I have it right in front of my face. What did I say? Spartan-investing? I think you said investing, yeah. yeah. It's all good, so, though. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to cut that out. I'm just going to show you guys how important I like that draw. Yeah. So spartan-investors.com, I, I was... Let me make sure that's the right. No, you guys have recently revamped your website. You said and, and money well spent because it was super attractive to me. The map you guys have on there about where you uh, invest and whatnot uh, was super appealing, right? I mean, even I, I signed up to be part of your list. I want to know when the next available opportunity comes up. Uh, but I, it now makes sense that you guys have three full-time employees just on market research because you're, you're nationwide, right? You're not limited just to Northwest Pacific Northwest or just to Texas or anything like that, right? Y'all are nationwide. That's correct. Yep. Yeah. So I, I, cause I'm sitting here thinking, man, I, on my calendar, I have blocked off like an hour and a half each week for market research. Now, I only invest in, or right now, I'm about to change because of everything that's going on in, in Florida, just because it's, talk about oversaturated with yeah. with buyers who have more money than they do since. Um, they, I, I have to give credit. That is a, that is a line from um, a guest on the show recently. I like that. He's going to kill me when I, cause I can't remember his name right now. He's going to kill me when I, when I say this. I just saw him on Facebook too. Um, I'll circle back around that in a minute. I'll look it up. Uh, but you know, one of the things, so I kind of limit an hour and a half each week for that, but it, it's one of those things where I've been in this market for 10 years. There's not much new that I don't know about, right? I'm not trying to go out and find new new areas and new, well, I'm about to, uh, and maybe I need to increase that time, but I love that you guys have three full-time employees. So that's, you know, 120 hours a week that you guys are dedicating to that where I'm sitting here an hour and a half. I'm like, not even doing a, uh, barely even, not even a half. Was that on 1% or 10%? That's that's 1%. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things where you put the time in up front, you do all the planning. Uh, it, 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 make it's very much more appealing for me to to partner with somebody like that than somebody who just you know looks at things and has a gut gut reaction to it or a gut feeling right which is right. part of it still i'm sure right you yeah i mean there's definitely this. yeah i mean it's very small part of it yeah. i mean i think in residential you can kind of go walk down a street and you know see the gentrification coming or yeah. you know yeah. get a feeling for the type of people that live in the neighborhood or you know, just look at, simply just pull out Redfin, look at comps. Um, yeah. But you're definitely, uh, in this business, when you're making a, I mean, one of the properties we're building is, uh, you know, it's a $14 million project. Mm. And uh, you don't, you can't just go off your gut on that one. You've got to, yeah. you've got to make sure you've got a few things. You've got, a, you? you've got a few few studies done and, and, those, and yeah. those employees are time well spent and the studies are time well spent. And the time that you take to do it is time well spent, especially since you're bringing in other people's money. Yeah. To invest. I was yeah. going to say, when it's your own money, you can, you can speculate all you want to, but when it's, when it's other people's, when I hope I say that right. My, I yes. don't know what's going on today. I'm sitting here thinking, no, you Ernest, got it. Ernest is going to kill me because I forgot his name. Ernest Harbin. Uh, oh, I apologize, Ernest, yep. sir. Yeah. It, it, that's his line. He, he gave that to me on a, on a recent podcast recording. Ernest, I apologize, sir. I'm going to buy you a beer the, the next time. Or actually, when we meet in person, finally, 
so Ernest, I apologize. I'm going to have to give you a shout out on one of the outtakes. So, uh, for, for doing that, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, um, there's more money out there than there is sense. Right. And we are seeing that all along the Florida panhandle people buying up properties. You know, I underwrote a property. Now I'm a conservative. We talked about being a conservative, um, earlier. I am as probably conservative as they, as they come when it comes to underwriting property, because there's other people's money involved in it. And I don't want to ever have a capital call or, uh, you know, God forbid, lose their money. But things just do not make sense right now. And I, I, I'm sitting here trying, I, I talked to a, uh, a Fannie Freddie lender last week and I said, help me understand, what are you seeing on your side of the fence? And, and because right now what I'm seeing either, either a people don't care about cash flow, right? They're looking for a tax runoff B they don't know what in the hell they're doing or C I don't know what I'm doing. Right. <laughs> and, and she said, well, she goes, I, I'll tell you this. She goes, we, we had a, small virtual symposium, whatnot. We had four of the best multifamily operators on the panel operate all over the nation. And the question was, Hey, how are you getting funding for these deals? Because with the new regulations, you got to have, you know, right now is changing weekly here, here recently, but you have to have 12 months of P and I, and then you have to have some sort of 12, somewhere between 12 and 18 months of, um, uh, operating expenses. And when you right. underwrite those deals, the returns are just horrible. I mean, they're, they're in some, most places they're not existed. So they, you know, the, the question was asked, how are you guys getting funding for these deals? And this Fannie and Freddie lender says, here's, here's the short version of that answer. They're not buying right now. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, it makes me feel better. Uh, she goes, yeah, the, the guys who really know what they're doing and been in it for a while, they are not simply buying multifamily residential they are waiting for things to turn, right? Yeah. That's why, and, and, and I talked about this in the mastermind the other night, is when market doesn't start to make sense, I stop investing, but then I start looking and educate myself on other stuff, right? Is it a time to flip or wholesale, which I don't know anything about any of those either. Uh, or I, I love the passive income piece, right? I'm an LP on a couple of different deals. I don't have any self storage in my portfolio, and and I at, from Mar- Masha's presentation that I was like, man, I got to get me some self storage. So, <laughs> and it is one of those things. And so, here's my next question for you. And I'm going to start stop rambling. Is why is self storage? Because because she said she made this claim too. You just you just said it yourself is that self storage through the last two recessions was the best performing asset, and it. In some cases, you can probably back this up. Is it even doubled what multifamily was doing on returns, or, or some, there was some multiple, right? Why is that? Why is self storage so re- recession resistant? Yeah, so you know, I have a single family home that's behind in rent. That's the only one I have. I got, I just got rid of all my single family rentals. Thank God. Right. Um, <laughs> this is not something. Good timing, I, by the way. <laughs> yeah, um, but the. The thing is about storage is three things, in my opinion. One, you have collateral against the person's belongings. Mm. So if they don't pay, you can you can auction off their belongings for a profit. You can't do that in residential. You can't. I mean, I'm not saying this isn't a bash on residential. I, I invest passively in multifamily. Love it, right? But you can't. You know, imagine if your tenant and your single family home doesn't pay, you just say, okay, well, I'm just going to put everything in your house for auction, mm. and I'm going to sell everything in your house online 
and um, and anything I make on it, I'll make up the for any money that I'm out of pocket to get you out of here, right? Not going to happen. Yeah. But right? in storage, yeah. you can do that. So if people quit paying, you can say, okay, no problem. You don't have to pay, um, but we're going to put your stuff up for auction. You can do that within 30 to 60 days. Yeah. So I'd probably say that's the one, that's probably the, one of the, the, the leading things. And that's because we have a lease that has lien rights on it. So mm. you can put your stuff in our property at risk. If you don't pay, we have uh, the ability to lien it. Yeah. Hey guys, we're going to take a real quick break with Ryan to let you know about a special promo code for all of our W2 Capitalist swag. You can go to w2capitalist.com forward slash shop, or if you can go to w2capitalist.com and just look for the store button, you're going to get 15% off when you use the promo code podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, 15% off all of our t-shirts, hats, water bottles, whatever we got in the store at the moment you're listening to this, we, you will get 15% off. Also, we have free stickers there. All you got to do is pay for shipping and I'm going to send you these awesome, awesome stickers that uh, we have with the earn, invest, repeat logo on it. Right. So let's get back to Ryan and learning more about self-storage and why you and I should have it in our real estate portfolio. One of those things where you talk about the eviction process earlier or the three, your three criteria, easy to evict. Either you go in and you put your locks on there, right? Or they, before, before you're able to do that, they come in, they take all their stuff and they move out. Right. So there's, so, so the third day that you don't pay, yeah. you can't even get into the property. I gotcha. You, you got the little, <laughs> <laughs> so you make it real hard for them. Oh, to, I mean, to come you get, don't, <laughs> I mean, imagine, imagine, uh, imagine you didn't pay your rent on a single family home or a multifamily property. Oh, man. And yeah. the third day you didn't pay your rent. All of a sudden a little deadbolt just went and closed and you can't get into your house. Can't get in- <laughs> I mean, what, what would you do? You would yeah. pay. You, yeah, right? you'd have to come up with something, right? To, to yeah. get access back in at least for a day. That's, uh, I mean, come yeah. up with full month's rent and any uh, back pay. Yeah. There you go. There you go. So, I mean, that's, that's the reality, right? So like you can't do that in residential. So, so, so I know that the argument is, is like, well, people don't live there. So aren't they just going to kind of neglect what they have there? But it's like, that's what happens if, um, yeah. and we don't even have to do any, we don't even have, it's not like somebody sitting there like <clears> looking at who hasn't paid and you have to like think about who you're locking out. The system just does it automatically. Got automated systems. Awesome. Yeah. Hey, w- since we are in the COVID era, you know, there's a lot depending on what municipality you're, you're in. Most every state has some sort of doesn't uh, renter relief. You guys, you guys can evict people regardless, right? Yep. That is freaking awesome. That, doesn't apply. That makes me even more excited <laughs> <laughs> about self storage because I mean this is a you know Listen, this it, is, <laughs> it, it doesn't mean that we're insensitive. I mean what we did right right right. There's a so, difference. And, yeah, and and so you know the state so the the associations of storage are very good stewards of being you know good stewards of the business and you know being ethical and and reasonable. So our stance on it was, you know, we're not going to if somebody has been on time, on time, on time, on time, and they have a hardship, we're going to take care of them. But if you're chronically late every month and now you're continuing to be chronically late, okay, uh, we're going to be a little less, you know, but if you've been, you've been our customer for a long time and you, and you fell on some hard times because of COVID, absolutely. We're going to take care of you. Um, we, we did not do any rental increases. Again, it's just the sensitivity of, of what, you know, our world and our country is going through. Right. Um, so we did, we did take that precaution and that extra step. And, um, you know, we offered first responders, you know, uh, free rents and, you know, we, you know, we did, we did a lot of things to sort of help. But as far as like the community coming down and saying, you can't kick this 
crappy tenant yeah. out or whatever, you know, I mean, it was, it, we didn't have any of those restrictions. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it, you being an airline pilot, I, I know a couple of those, uh, <laughs> in, and something about you guys, you always seem to have uh, a very calm demeanor about you. You don't have this, you don't make rash decisions. And I think it comes to your training, right? Is because it does. Yeah. You can't make rash, I mean, irrational, just knee jerk reaction decisions uh, because it literally could be life and death in the vehicle. But um, so I think you have that for your advantage. One of the things that attracts me to, to want to partner with you because I'm like, all right, this guy's. Number one, he's an airline pilot. He's going to look at a situation and he's going to collect all the data he can to make sure it's a good investment before he, you know, before he takes, takes it on. Um, but one of the things I want to ask you is, you know, well, two things, two questions, uh, and then we'll wrap up. But first question is what scares you the most about self-storage? That's a good question. I don't, Really, no. There has um, to be something, and it could just be that I, one little, and it doesn't even have to be like a 10 on the scary meter. It's just what yeah. scares you the most, you know, about the asset class, about kind of what the, what so, you see I day mean, to day. You know, as a, as an uneducated or new investor in storage, you might think, I don't use storage. I don't, get it. <laughs> I don't, I don't get, you know, I don't get the industry, yeah. right? So you might think, I don't understand why this is a $38 billion industry or why one in every 10 people in the United States rent it. And I went to Europe and nobody has it over there. So what, <laughs> so what, what, is this an American thing or what, you know, what, what, what's the deal? Um, and you know, being a, you know, owner of multiple facilities now, it makes a lot more sense to me um, mm. because it's not just about the person with too much stuff. It's not the person that, you know, doesn't know how to hide boxes on Amazon from their spouse, right? Or whatever, right? It's, it's, uh, there's a lot more to it than that. Um, You're not you speaking know, from, from personal experience on the Amazon thing, are you? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, we have Little League baseball teams that need a locker. We have people who do home renovations, people who run Amazon Etsy businesses, dog walkers, the yeah. Chamber of Commerce, judges, newspaper distribution companies, food distribu uh, distribution mm. companies, um, sheet metal contractors, you know, general contractors, people that are renovating their house. But really, the, the 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 second thing that makes storage, you know, so attractive is it depends on life events, you know, age, yeah. relocation, divorce, <laughs> downsizing, job relocation, things like that. All those things are storage triggers. And um, you know, I think that you know, it's not just this you know overabundance of stuff that somebody has, and so, and magically one day they're going to watch. Marie Kondo and, and have a revolution that they just need to get rid of everything. And, you know, um, what does she say? Um, if it doesn't bring you joy or doesn't bring you happiness, you know, get rid of it. You know, yeah. um, it's not cause it's not just that it's, it's just, it's life and, and people need storage cause of their life. Um, you know, their life happenings. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I think when you have a growing economy, you have the expansion of things and the expansion of businesses that rely on storage. And when you have the shrinking of the economy, you have to change that develops yeah. so many different storage uh, transactions because you have people yeah. that need it. I mean, I moved last year. I sold my smaller house and I bought a bigger house and I had to put my stuff somewhere while I was going through the process of selling my house and mm. buying a new house. 
And a pod on the street just didn't really work. Uh, plus, <laughs> yeah. those get stored in storage facilities anyway. Yeah, that's going to say. You know, those so, are, yeah, those, those are, are storage containers right? for the storage yeah. facility. So it's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, you know, so like I put myself, I put my stuff up in a storage. I loved it because I got to go through somebody else's process and kind of see what they did and what they didn't do. But uh, you didn't, you didn't own the the property where you put your storage in. No, 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 I don't. Yeah. It was like the one like right down the street. It's cool though. It was an extra space. They did a good job. What? But, no, you, yeah, you're, yeah. you're talking exactly, you know, to the market is that you were not yeah. willing to drive five miles nope. outside of your house to, or your, your dwelling to be able to. I was the storage. Perfect, yep. And it was a life stuff. event. We yeah. were having a baby. Yeah, congratulations, uh, you know, a, by the way. Thank, thank you. Yeah. We have a, we had a, we had a daughter and then now we were having a son. And it was now our family's getting bigger. We need a bigger house, so we needed to yeah. move. So moving required putting stuff in storage. So again, yeah. it's tied to the life events. The, the, the other thing that you know, people might say is, I've heard about clutter and all these disruptors <laughs> in the storage business that are, they come to your house and they get your stuff and they like go put it somewhere. Are those going to disrupt the space and stuff like that? And they, that, that has been going on for decades, you know, mm. of this, this kind of white glove, you know, hey, you know, push a button, they come to your house, you know, so you, yeah. I want to put all this stuff in storage and they take it away. It just, it's, it might, might be a thing, but it just, mm. it isn't yet. Um, yeah. Just because it's expensive to do that. And, um, you know, it doesn't really work in secondary and tertiary markets where we're primarily focused. We, you know, that's where we focus on. Gotcha. We focus on the suburbs. We focus on the outskirts. We don't focus on the core cities and that's playing very favorable right now, yeah. especially with COVID and people not wanting to be in city cores, yeah. but that's where all the REITs compete and they, it's a bloodbath in competition. So we, we look in the secondary tertiary markets where it's yeah. um, where we can be the most sophisticated investor or sophisticated operator in a particular market. Yeah. So. Well, one of those life events, you know, just to kind of can run parallel with what is happening right now. You know, there are a lot of folks in forbearance right now on their primary mortgage because the economy was good. The job was good. Then they got laid off. So they're probably going to be have to, you know, and in that period of time, they got that bigger space. They were adding to all this stuff. Right. Yep. And now they're probably going to do some contraction if they follow along with what the economy is going to do. So they have two options, right? Or three, really sell it, trash it, or put it in self storage. Yep. Right. Is to put all that stuff. So I imagine, and with you guys, uh, and this is one of the things that really makes me excited about potentially working with you and, and just self storage in general is that the, you know, there is a, a great flight from the big cities. You know, people are yep. moving out of the cities into suburban areas now um, because of not only COVID, but all the other crap that's been going on uh, the last yep. couple of months. Portability. And, Yep. Yeah. It, and it just, it seems like you guys are in a perfect spot. It's one of those things where, man, I look at it right now. I'm like, man, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have been uh, educating <laughs> myself. Years ago. Yeah. 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 Self storage four years ago and not just be a consumer, but it'd be somebody who knows a little bit more about it. And uh, yeah, I, I think you guys are right in a perfect, perfect spot for what's going to happen. Hope so. You know, and, and speaking of, do you have any, I ask almost everybody who, who've, who's done an episode here in the last month or so, where, what does your crystal ball tell you where we're going with the economy, right? Or should so I say I think, your, your business development uh, person and her two, yeah, two employees, <laughs> be what better, does she say? <laughs> she'd, 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 speak, she'd speak better to that. Yeah. Per, personally, I think that the election is going to be a big deal. 
Yeah. That's going to be yeah. a big deal. Um, I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to get into my politics, but yeah. Yeah, you know, you Donald Trump gets reelected. There's going to be some pretty mad people. Yeah. Um, I, I think if uh, Biden gets it, um, probably less mad people, but still just, uh, you know, uh, you know, emotion in the stock market is going to, is going to hit the stock market pretty bad. And, you know, mm. policies are going to be undone. And, you know, so I think the, I think the election is going to be a big deal. I also think that the government has propped up any economic success that we've had in the last three months, two, three months, right? yeah. two or three months. Yeah. So people, you know, everybody's that. saying, Oh, my rent, my rent collections are great. My delinquencies are great. Everything's great. Everything's great. Guess what? The money, the government has been handing everybody money. Yeah. <laughs> you know, not everybody, yeah. right. Not, not everybody equally, but people have been getting stipend checks. Businesses have been getting bailouts to give, to keep employees on staff. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, PPP has been handed out. The government essentially turned local banks into unemployment, <laughs> right? I mean, Branches, basically yep. they've, they've, they've taken it. They took this big chunk of money. They handed it to banks and said, go deploy this money. So nobody lays anybody off. They have essentially yep. put a bandaid on, on that. Will there be a second round of PPP? I don't know, but they're, they're talking about it. Yeah. Um, we'll know, and I, we'll know yeah. probably by the time this, this comes out, we'll, we'll know kind of what's happening. So this is, you know, we're recording this middle of July and it'll, it'll come out probably middle of August when hopefully the two sides have come together and, and figured out yeah. what's going to go I on. Mean, but three plus trillion dollars being pumped into this, into this mess. Um, it's and it's covered. not over. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not over. Yeah. And over. so, I, so I would just be, you know, personally, um, what I've done is I've, you know, I've refinanced. I'm sure everybody's listening is re- pretty much refinanced. You know, I don't know. Expenses. Let's throw this out there. If you have not refinanced, <laughs> now is an amazing time to yes. refinance and get, I saw a rate like 2.75 for some guy uh, who posted online. He's bragging about it, which he should, right? So if you have not refinanced your primary residence or any investments that you have, now is a time to lock in ridiculously. And I, and I hate saying yeah. this because I feel like a damn infomercial right now, but you know, for years you've been hearing the, the radio ads now, historic lows, historic mm-hmm. lows. We're still and here's here, the other thing. Right? If you've got lines of credit, you need to draw on those lines of credit because, mm-hmm. you know, um, look at Ford Motor Company. Ford, Ford Motor Company during the last downturn, uh, they were the only of the big three that drew on their lines of credit. And then when the lines of credit dried up, they had the capital where the other auto manufacturers did not. Yep. So that's why they were able to save, you know, bankruptcy. Yeah, uh, was because of that, right? So, you know, lines of credit exist today, they won't exist in the future. So yeah. think about lo- your long term de- debt strategy and going into the fall with with, uh, you know, being ready to take yeah. a beating because I think I, you know, depending on what the, I, I thought this was going to happen a lot sooner. But then I didn't expect the gov- the, the Fed to basically <laughs> bail, bail everybody out. It's like, yeah. holy cow, this is I mean, and somebody is going to have to pay for this at some point, right? I mean, we're going to get increases in taxes. So I think you see, you might see that with the Democratic uh, potential uh, mm-hmm. presidential election. You're going to have to, you know, somebody's going to have to pick up this bill. Um, that or, you know, with the lowering of interest rates and the, um, you know, the weakening of the U.S. dollar, you might see less investment in the U.S. dollar. You might see a potential currency, um, you know, issue, right? Or yeah. um, So I think there's a lot of things, you know, sort of up in the air. But, you know, obviously you can only focus on you. Yeah. Um, and I would just, I would be thinking about inflation. I would be thinking about getting your assets invested in something that hedges inflation. 
um, cutting expenses and just preparing for, you know, kind of a, the next year of just sort of being a kind of a flaky market. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and for those of you listening and, and I'm new to this as well is like, why, why should we draw on our lines of credit now? Right. <laughs> the main reason is because if you, if you're around in 2008 and I didn't know this or it didn't really have any lines of credit worthwhile, but the banks can start pulling those back if they're untapped or unused. So we're here in the last several years where it's been really easy to just to call up your bank or call up your credit card company and say, Hey, increase my line of credit. Chances are here in the next, I don't know, year or so, they're going to, they're going to say they're either going to deny that or, or probably more importantly, and I think this is where your advice comes from is they're going to say, we're going to, we have to lower your credit, right? Or freeze or, it. Or, yeah. Or freeze it. You can't use it yeah, anymore. I mean, I won't go into the circumstances. Um, it wasn't anything personal with me, but you know, I've had that happen. Um, mm. I've had a HELOC where I thought there was 150,000 to draw on. And then, <laughs> and then I got a letter in the mail saying you have no more HELOC. So a lot of people go get a HELOC and they think that that's their protection. Yeah. If it's not drawn upon, it doesn't exist necessarily. So don't rely on it like that. Yeah. Um, in my case, it was because the, the lender, uh, was, lending based on me living in the residence. And I didn't know that there was a nuance where if you moved out of the residence, <laughs> so they, they sent me a letter saying, Hey, it's gone. And so I, it, sure. It wasn't an evaporation of credits like in the last downturn, but it, right. you know, in the next, in the last downturn that happened to a lot of people yeah. and their emergency funds were lines of credit that were, that they thought were there, but then all of a sudden the oh. bank sent the letter and saying, Hey, you don't have it anymore. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yep. And inflation is something I don't know a whole lot about. I've been, I've given myself some homework for the last couple of weeks. Hey, you need to, you know, asking, I need to ask more about what is inflation? What does it mean? What does it mean when the, when the government pumps in $3 trillion, right? And what I think is going to be a substantial, I think $3 trillion is probably going to be small compared to what they're going to come up with between probably. now and then before this is all over with. Right, we're sitting here thinking, man, three trillion is is a lot. It's a huge number. It is. It's don't get me wrong. I don't think it's the the uh, the end of the. I don't want to say handouts, but the the attempted financial recovery, right? And and what does that mean for down the road? When when are we going to see this actually hit inflation? When is it going to start happening? Is it already happening and we just don't know it? Um, I mean, it seems well, like if you think if you think about our parents, right? Our parents always talk about the double digit interest rates that they had. Yeah. You know, but they also paid less money for their homes. Yeah, that's true. Right. So, so when you look at it, when you look at it, when you pump more money, you make more money available to the market, you're going to drive prices, Mm. right? So when there's more money available, then there is a higher price for the asset. Yeah. Right. And at the lower interest rate, more money is available because if it, you know, if I, if I have to cover my debt service on a 3% loan versus a 10% loan, I can, you know, that property, somebody's willing to pay a higher price for it. So you have inflation. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think, you know, it's, it's all, there's always, you know, it's like, oh, wow, I can borrow at 3%. It's like, well, my parents could, it was 10% or 12% or even 15%, <laughs> right? And, yeah. and, they, and they said anything yeah. was single digits where it was good, but, they, but the price was also matching that. Right. So, you know, I think the reality is, is that, you know, we're in a situation where money's cheap, money's being pumped into the economy and you're going to see that inflation. You're going to see prices continuing to go up, you know, with no end in sight. 
And um, in particular, in storage, it's very difficult to find a good project right now. If you have a good project and you think it's a good project, definitely double check your numbers. Make sure you know you've you've checked everything because it's a difficult um, it's a difficult asset to acquire right now because people know that this disruption in the market is coming, mm. and they know that's when storage usually performs the best. So there's not a lot of distressed sellers in storage. <laughs> Nobody's yeah. waiting for the perfect timing because this is when storage does well. So people are actually just quite the opposite. They're buying storage. Yeah. Um, so our pipeline has dried up quite a bit um, for acquisitions. We do have an offering now, but um, you know, we don't have much on the, in the pipeline. We're really having to reevaluate. You know, we do have full-time acquisitions personnel. We have two people yeah. that all they do is, you know, Ben and Tyler, all they do is look for properties. Um, but you know, it's getting more difficult because yeah. you know, there's just less available on the market and there's not this big fire sale of self storages, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, and there probably won't be for yeah. a while. Right. Yeah. For, oh yeah. Um, well, so on that note, you know, if a guy like me or, or anybody listening or watching wants to partner with you or, or learn about your deals, what, what's the best way to contact you about those? And then what should we be expecting as a, as a potential partner? Yeah. So the best way to get in touch is Ryan at... And I'm Spartan. asking for my... Sorry, I'm going to cut <laughs> yeah. you off. It sounded yeah, yeah. a lot like a commercial, but I am genuinely asking because, you know, sure. I did fill out your investor form on your website. right before Yeah, no, we I saw like, it come through. Yeah. Man, I got, I got to get into this uh, self-storage space. But but uh, so I am asking genuinely. So, so if anybody else is listening or watching, you want to get into self-storage or understand it more, I can get in touch with Ryan. But... Uh, I am interested in finding a deal. So what does that process look like? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty simple for us. You just go to Spartan-Investors.com. And like you said, there's an invest now button and you just fill out the, yeah. the form. And then you're on our list. You're going to get our offerings or newsletters. We do solicitations under 506C and 506B. So sometimes you have to be accredited. Sometimes you don't have to be accredited. So gotcha. the non-accredited deals, uh, you have to um, have a relationship with us. So you got to know us and you know, we have to understand your level of sophistication. Yeah. The accredited deals, you got to be accredited. And those are the deals that we can advertise. Um, but generally what we do is we just offer a part of the ownership in the business. So, you know, you can own, a, you know, XYZ storage. You can own a percentage of it. You get um, a, usually a preferred rate of return. Uh, so you get the first profits from the investment. Yep. And you get something like, you know, pretty close to 2X on a five-year hold um, with your awesome. on your money. So. Yeah. You know, all the depreciation, uh, you know, you get pretty much, uh, it's kind of like owning your own storage, but you don't have to do any of the work and you don't have to rely on your, your gut for just <laughs> picking a market. You don't have to, you don't, you don't have to, have come to up make with all the mistakes that you, that, uh, <laughs> exactly. you, know, you can, we can rely on your experience and, and, yep. uh, that's what I'm looking for for sure is, Hey, here's, here's some money I have sitting aside. It's getting bored. I'm getting bored sitting here watching it, doing nothing except decline in value. So, Yep. Um, yeah, I, I definitely interested in talking to you about that. You mentioned something there that comes up a lot in uh, syndications, whether it be self storage or multifamily is if it's a sophisticated investor, not accredited, what does it actually mean to build a relationship? Right. And yeah. I have my own definition. This is why that law is written the way it is because it's open for interpretation. But what do I need to do for you guys to be satisfied with saying, okay, we, we have a relationship with Jay. Um, we're okay with presenting him with this, this opportunity when, when, when one comes up. So let me just set the, let me set the stage for just a little bit for people who are thinking about setting up their process or already have a process in place. Yeah. 
The problem is, is, is problem investors. It's really got nothing to do. I mean, the sophistication, <laughs> you know, you, yeah. you, you could say, well, my attorney said this and my attorney said that. And my, and the, if you read the law and look at the, the no action letters, it, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, do I want to be in a real, like a partnership with you? Yeah. Are you going to be a problem? right? Do you understand that you are risking, and this, this goes for every single syndication out there, whether it be debt, equity, mez, anything in between, whatever. Do you understand that you can lose all of your money in this deal? And I ask, I tell all of my investors that, do you understand you can lose all of your money? This is, there's no guarantees in life. And this is certainly not a guarantee. No, one of them. Yep. And this is definitely not a once in a lifetime opportunity. None of these deals are. No one has a once in a lifetime opportunity deal ever. So with that out of the way, I, I, I'm very kind of dark about it um, because I want people to really kind of, okay, now, now we know where the floor is. Let's talk, let's, <laughs> yeah. Now let's build yeah. up and talk about the opportunity and, and what we could earn and things like that. So it's as much as making sure you're vetting your investor um, to make sure that they understand the risks and you know, to sort of, I mean, you never can know. It's like I always give the analogy you know, you and your buddies are all going on a road trip, right? And you're all having fun. So everybody, you know, my buddy grabs a six pack, you know, everybody, everybody's getting in the car and then you're halfway to the mountains and the car runs out of gas. And now you know who your friends are, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's a pretty who, good analogy. Who, who, who could you call, right? Who's going to be a complete, yeah. you know, a-hole about the whole thing? Like, who's going to push, you know, who's going to start running to the gas station with, you know, who's, right? Who's resourceful, right? And, and, I, and it's kind of like that in investing. You kind of want to make sure that the people you're bringing on board truly understand what they're signing up for. Yeah. You know, this is a non-liquid investment. It's not like, you know, the, the, the nice thing about real estate is you're not in the stock market. <clears throat> the nice thing about the stock market is you're not in real estate. If you want to push it, if you want to push a button and sell your, your share because you don't like this company anymore because of something they said or something they did or their cash position, it's gone. You get all your yeah. money back. Right. But if this deal isn't going very well and you didn't, you don't like the opportunity, you can't just push a button. So I, you know, I think sophistication is really just understanding the opportunity and the deal, the risks associated with it and making sure that the person can come on board. There's, there's interpretations on time. Well, how much time do you have to know the person? Right. Mm -hmm. How much, you know, and all that. I, I, I give less merit to that and more merit to the understanding of the risk that the person is taking. Do I feel as a Spartan that, that this investor understands what they're about to do? Or are they just blinded by the light? They just can't wait to make all this money. Yeah. And, and they just, you know, they saw your amazing presentation and they, they're jumping on because like you said, if, if people have, what did you, what was the quote that uh, Ernest said? Um, uh, more money than there is sense. There you go. Yeah. Right. Money makes the blind man see. Yeah. Right. They just, they're attracted to the return and all they see is this amazing return and this awesome presentation. Yeah. And they're just, they're just coming in and they're just giving you whatever they want. Kind of the dumb money. Right. Yeah. So I, I like to make sure that a sophisticated investor understands how the deal is structured, how they get paid and what their risks are. And I think yeah. if I am, if I am confident that they understand that, then I deem them sophisticated. Now, technically we send everybody through the same process to answer your question. So they yeah. fill out the form they fill out an, uh, an investor qualification form where they answer about 10 questions. If anybody wants to see what those 10 questions are, go to our website. You can see our questionnaire. How much do you earn? What's your net worth? You know, et cetera. And then we do a call. 
right? Yeah. And this would probably satisfy our call because it's, <laughs> you know, yeah. right? We're, I just gave you my disclaimers. Yeah, and, there you uh, go. <laughs> and, you know, and I know, hey, this guy puts on a real estate podcast. Yeah. This guy runs a real estate forum. This guy has invested in multiple syndications. He has multiple properties, right? He has demonstrated that he has sophistication in this space or he has experience in this space. The last thing that we do is before you, so now that we have this relationship, the last thing that we do when you do do a deal, you have to fill out a purchaser uh, questionnaire. And the yeah. questionnaire is essentially like a three or four page detailed um, evaluation of your experience. And this is more for, you know, the deal goes bad if it, if it goes bad in like five years. We never had a deal go bad yet. Um, but, you know, I'm sure sometimes something, something will happen, right? But there, so far, there's so a risk, good. right? It's an investment. Absolutely. So there's there's yeah. going to be one that... But your job as the syndicator is to help prevent that from as, from as much as possible from happening. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And, I, and that's why I always say to people, you know, don't look at somebody's deal. Look at their team, please. I mean, just I yeah. get the deals and all that, but I've seen some of the best amazing deals. You know, I'm, I'm invested in a syndication, somebody else's company. It was a nine month fast moving deal that took place four years ago. And the deal is still not closed yet, right? Nine, <laughs> right? Nine, nine month deal, right? Amazing deal, right? Yeah. But if you don't have the team to execute, yeah, you just I, don't. I understand, right? That. Yeah. So, so you know, I always say, get to know your sponsor, get to know your your the team that they're playing with. Um, understand if you, if there's any light that needs to be shed on any part of the business, please shine it. And those, you know, like get to know what your apprehensions yeah. are, or what your doubts are get it all answered, you know, background, check your sponsors, check their communication, check references. And then, you know, references are always good, but you know, you're never going to give anybody a bad reference. Right. So, uh, so yeah. find somebody else who's invested and get an un, you know, an untested, yep. unbiased, right. Like, Hey, I heard you. Oh, what do you think about those guys? You know, and they, they didn't even refer you to that person, but now you're getting a, a testimony, right? Yeah. So, is unbiased you know, a word by the way, or is it should, should it be non-biased? It should be non-biased. Is <laughs> So I know one thing's for sure. I'm the wrong person to ask that. Well, question. I was going to say, like usually, the, like the worst. usually airplane pilots are really good at unbiased. math, which means they're really horrible. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. The words. <laughs> so the problem with aviation is we abbreviate everything. So we, we don't really know what, we don't really know how to spell anything. Actually, it's just the opposite. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. But, um, yeah, so I, I appreciate that yeah. definition. I, I haven't heard it uh, put so eloquently uh, defining what the relationship is. And you're right. The, the, the investors that are going to cause you, they're, they're the painful guys anyways. There's really, they're going to, you, you really need to know the person, right? Again, yeah. that relationship. And if you want to do business with, with and this is off topic, right? But if you want to do business with that person, knowing who they are, it's on you, right? That's it's yeah. it's all you. So I have a really um, good example, actually. Give so it to us. <laughs> that that video I just posted of the of the storage development. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have an investor who inquired. Um, you know, on that deal, we didn't actually raise funds for that deal up until I think like eighteen months or two years ago. Um, we, we we entitled it for two, and then once we gotcha. felt comfortable, we brought in the money. So the the investor said to me will it take exactly the time that you projected and exactly the returns that you're projected? Because if it's, if it's not those two things, I don't want to do the deal. And you know, here's your opportunity, right? Red pill, blue pill. Do I say, Oh no, it's, I'm, I'm confident that it'll be those things and no problem. Right. Or you say, there's no guarantee mm -hmm. whatsoever that I'm going to hit those timelines and those returns or anything like that. Right. 
So I chose to, to be more scary and say, hey, these syndications don't always work out as, they, uh, as they're planned. It, they could take longer. It could cost more. We could make more money. We could make less money. Mm-hmm. You could lose your money, right? I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't damning to the situation, but now that the project actually, you know, it's out of the ground now and it's going to do really well, but it's delayed, right? Mm-hmm. So we, it took an extra six months in permitting to get the permits done, or at least six months. It's probably a little more like a year. Yeah. And, you know, unbeknown to us, that's what, I mean, that's the reality. And I'm so glad I said that to them before mm-hmm. they made the investment decision, because now they're part of the team. I was honest with them, right? They yeah. could go and make a noise with the SEC and do all these things, but I was honest with them. And I said, Hey, no, this could take longer. And you couldn't, do, there is a possibility that you won't do this well, yeah. right? You could do better. You could do worse or you could do right on target, but there isn't a single syndication out there. I guarantee it. Well, can't guarantee it, but <laughs> there isn't a single sy- that, that has hit the bullseye, right? Like you, yeah, you say, Oh, time. this is going to be a 17.9% return. You can't, you never can be exacting. It's always, it could be a little bit more. It could be a little bit less. Anticipated, be, right? Anticipated. Exactly. Return. So, yeah. So I think just knowing, you know, getting people to understand really what they're signing up for is going to create good. And the other thing that I'll say is communicating, mm-hmm. giving your investors communication every month, every quarter. We do a quarterly conference call. We do a monthly email. We do it on the 15th at 5 a.m. Pacific time, every single time. Uh, because you, you need to, you know, if there's something going wrong or there's a delay happening, the investor really needs to understand why. Yep. And you need to bring them onto your team versus alienate them and not communicate to them at all, right? Because yeah. that's where you start having problems, right? Yeah. And, yeah. So anyway, I didn't mean to ramble about that. No, no, it's, it's, it's good. I, I, I think it speaks to uh, your maturity as an operator, right? Because yeah. there are so many people out there. I mean, I have had more conversation than the last two months with um, potential partners and uh, other potential operators that are going to take the red pill. I think you used the blue pill is what you took <laughs> to just make sure where you said, Hey, there are no guarantees. It, it's, it's a, it's an investment risk. And I, I need that reminder too uh, every now and then in, um, but there are a lot of operators right out there right now saying, yeah, it's guaranteed. You know, they'll, they will uh, yeah. say, yeah, it's going to happen on schedule and on in you know, that to me is a red flag. So when you said immediate red flag, yeah. Yeah. When you said, um, Hey, it's, it's a, it's, it's an investment. There are risks. There are no guarantees, right? That makes me want to do business with you even more. So, (laughs) uh, right. And and, and it's just, it's just so much easier. I mean, I've had a property get hit by a tornado, mm. you know, and, um, we fully recovered. We fully recovered an occupancy. Life is good again, but you know, it's just, it's just so much easier having those upfront conversations. Now, as a capital raiser, I mean, I'm going to promise you the world, you know, people have wanted, they want to promise you the world, right? Because, yeah. <laughs> because it's like, you know, they, they, they've got a syndication, they've got deadlines and they've got money to raise and they're going to say whatever the hell they want to say to give you, to give them the money. And yeah. that's just a terrible way to just, you know, I, I'm speaking from experience investing in bad deals. <laughs> so yeah, I'll, I'll just, yeah. I'll just say that, you know, and, and the, and the people had all the hype in the world and all, Oh my God, you know, it's, it's, you know, yeah. I always laugh. It's amazing how nicely put together these presentations are. And then they put all this effort into selling you something that you sign up for. And then there's no effort in the project or, mm. you know, or, or the communication. Yeah. 
You know, it's yeah, like, I, I know I, it's like, I know you can produce marketing materials because I've seen that. That's what I signed up for. Yeah. But now I can't, now, now I can't even get so much as an email from you. Yeah. <laughs> you tell know, me what's like, going what, on. Yeah. Yeah. What's, yeah. You know, oh, you've already sold me. You know? Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I posted a very unpopular video a couple of weeks ago about now is not the time to invest. Uh, now is the time to educate yourself. Right. Oh, the I premise, love that. Premise love of the that. video yeah. was, "Hey, educate I I yourself." Yeah. yeah. Um, it, you know, and I was not very clear on on what I meant by that. I, I was specifically talking about the Panhandle, of Florida, in the multifamily space. You know, and but man, people came out of the woodworks telling me how wrong it was. There were people taking it extremely personal. There was some off, I say off air comments that came through <laughs> Messenger and Facebook, and they're like, "Man, I." I didn't like single-handedly call you out. I don't know why you're thinking this, but anyway, uh, you know, educate yourself, know about it and don't just get, get hyped up about all the fluff that's going on. Right. Of, of, of yep. marketing materials. Cause all that sounds good. I did have one of my mastermind members tell me, he goes, Jay, cause I was asking their, their feedback on, on a course I was putting together and they're like, well, we didn't sign up because you have really good marketing material. We signed up because of the, the content that we're going to get, how we're going to be able to grow. So the same thing with investing, right? You, you got to have the relationship. You got to understand who you're, who you're getting married to, at least for, for the interim. Yep. Um, but you also need to understand that uh, they are there to guide you through this process, right? Not just take your money and try to, to promise you returns. Thing. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Before we get out of here, I you have to be a fan of the movie The Three Hundred, right? The oh, Spartans. of course. Yeah. Oh, of course. So, so, uh, <laughs> so, give me your best. This is Sparta. Before we get out of here, this is Sparta. Man, what? <laughs> no, the, the name. The name comes from the name comes from uh, Michigan State. Gotcha. Two partners. Two partners. So, I did not go to Michigan State. Right. I'm actually but you're from mobile. you're from there, right? Originally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Scott went to state, and then one of our original partners, who is is a passive investor now, he uh, is uh, he went to Michigan State. They were roommates, so we're gotcha. all from Michigan. And you know, it was kind of funny. It was our first flip, and we're like, "What do we call our first LLC?" And like, <laughs> Barton Investment Group. And then it was like, and then it was like, "All right, well," we, and we even had a little man and all this stuff. <laughs> and uh, you know, and it was like after a while, we tried to change the name, but we just People are like, no, 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 we just know you as Spartan. There you go. And so we're like, oh, all right, fine. So we just went all in and just kept 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 the name. So <laughs> I love it. I yeah. love it. Uh, well, I like your stuff. logo, by the way, too. That's pretty cool. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate yeah. that. Um, yeah. Well, Ryan, I really appreciate you being here and connecting with you. Uh, hopefully, this if if this doesn't qualify me for our conversation, let's schedule something because I am seriously interested in, in getting involved in whatever you have going on on next because. Um, I know for all the reasons we talked about, right? Self-storage is, is an asset that I want to have in my portfolio either uh, through you guys. And, and if I find a deal that is worth, I'm not looking for any right now, but if one just happens to come across my plate, I, I know you're one of two people I'm going to send it to. So awesome. Um, but thank you for your time today. I really do appreciate it. And uh, we'll, we'll connect again uh, very soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Jay. 
Hey guys, so three things before we get out of here today. I really appreciate you listening to Ryan and I talk through self-storage. I want to highly encourage you to learn more about that ISET class. Uh, some of the things that I'm learning about it now really makes me want to have it part of my portfolio. And I'm going to engage with a really good, sophisticated sponsor when it comes to self-storage so that I can learn from them, right? So I want to encourage you to do the same thing. Vet Ryan out, vet some other ones out and see if uh, they're a good fit for you. So that's number one. Number two, I want to encourage you to come join us on the YouTube community. I love that you're consuming this content, but I hate not being able to interact with you and engage with you. And the YouTube channel will definitely allow you to do that. You can find us by going to YouTube and just searching for W2 Capitalist. The third thing I want to remind you of is coupon code for all the W2 Capitalist swag. You can go to w2capitalist.com forward slash shop or just w2capitalist.com. Hit the store button. Make sure you use the promo code podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T uh, when you check out and you're going to get 15% off. Thank you.